Matthew chapter 28, if you have your Bibles, uh, go there, look at verse number 19. I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. If you have a different version, we'll get to the same place together. But Jesus, before he left this earth, uh, gave this command. He said, go, therefore. In other words, because of this. Right before that, remember, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And then right on the heels of that, he says, here, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. He is with us. I remember growing up in church and uh, really it's all I ever know you know we all have different experiences you know some people uh, never step foot inside of a church and maybe all of a sudden one day they had an experience and God touched them and they have a great testimony others kind of grew up in church I was one of those people that grew up in church from about six weeks old and it's kind of all I ever knew and so one of the things for me growing up in church uh, was that uh, I it got familiar to me you know just I you know I, I mean I, I've and I've been to all sorts of different churches, you know. I grew up in uh, what people call a black church. So it was, you know, black gospel music. And it was the preaching and the, you know. And we had all of that, you know. It was, I mean, uh, the whole experience. I mean, we had the organ. We had the jumping and the shouting and the, the whole thing. And uh, so I did that, you know. I've been to uh, all, I've been to churches where, you know, it lasts about a half an hour. To, you know, they sing a song. Somebody prays and the guy speaks for, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes and we're out of there. I'm like, man, I'm just getting, I just got sat in my seat good and we're, you know, and, uh, but it's great. You know, I was happy about it. Let's go to lunch. You know, I'm ready. And so just all kinds of different experiences. I've been to Vineyard. I've been to, you know, all, all sorts of different churches. That's uh, a lot of you have. And uh, so it was, but it became familiar to me. It was church. You know, I get up and go to church and that's what you do. You go, you pray, you, you hear preaching, you sing some songs, you eat, eat part of it. You know, it's like, I think that's in the Bible at the eat. And then, uh, and then, you know, it's just, it's all part of it. It became very familiar to me. And so what happens is my relationship with God lacked because of that. Uh, because it was just so familiar. You know, it was just very familiar to me. And I remember this one Sunday. I was 17 years old. It was April 1983, telling you how old I am. And I was a junior in high school. And everything was familiar. And I was in this church. It was called the Holy Ghost Center. That was the name of the church. So you can imagine what happened on Sunday morning. All right. And so, uh, and I remember this white couple. I just, I remember they were white because of my experience, what I was going through at the time in my life. This white evangelistic couple, evangelists, came to our church and uh, just like out of nowhere, you know, they didn't, they didn't have anything set up. They didn't call, the, they just visited that day. And one thing led to another and they ended up preaching and giving the word, both of them together as a couple. And as a result of that word that they gave that morning, I gave my life truly to Christ. Even though I had been in church for 17 years already, that morning I gave my life to Christ. I committed my life to Christ, even went up front and uh, got on my knees and had to stay there till I was speaking in tongues. Come on, that's, where my, that's my experience. And, uh, you know, that was just me. And uh, uh, did it that morning. I think the first part of it, I was just saying some stuff so they would leave me alone. But, uh, you know, as, as we went on, I did. I, I received the Holy Ghost. And, um, and, you know, that was my experience. And it changed my life. And one of the things I began to think uh, that morning is, boy, God, it sure is funny how you do things. 
I mean, you just, uh, no, nobody is in a box. And really, I begin to realize that there's not a black church and a white. We've, we've made all of that, you know. Uh, maybe out of necessity, you know, sure, uh, we've done it. But, you know, his original plan, uh, where you're either just saved or not saved, you know. And um, one of the things that I, I think, too, by the way, let me just say this, too. Uh, one of the things I think, too, and I've said this before here in this church, maybe some of you haven't heard this before, is, you know, it, it tickles me. Uh, when people say I don't see color as it relates to people, you know, well, I, I don't I don't see color and I'm thinking yes You do you know, <laughs> you really do see color. It's okay I, I, And I understand the thought behind that is you know, I, I don't discriminate and so I get it So I don't say anything. I say yeah, well, I understand the thought but really God made us all different and and beautiful We are a beautiful array the human race is just beautiful and the thing is what we have to realize is God loves everybody and Jesus died on the cross for everybody. Not just the business person with the suit or the lady who's got it all together or the one who speaks right, but I'm talking about the one who smells, the, one, the person who, uh, you know, they speak English but you can't tell it when they talk because, you know, they, they, they don't put their words together right or uh, people who smoke, people who do drugs. Uh, people, God, Jesus died on the cross for everybody. And I think once we get that in our head, we'll get past a lot of stuff. We'll get past a lot, even stuff that we deal with. Because come on, you could go home and look in the mirror now. I don't want to say no names or call anybody out. But you know, while we're on our high horse looking at others, we can look in the mirror. Come on now. And uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And uh, listen, if you have your, turn over to Luke, if you have your Bible uh, there. Turn over to Luke chapter 14. Uh, this, is a, this is a story that kind of backs up what we're talking about here. Uh, this, is, this is a parable Jesus gave about uh, a king who wanted uh, people to come to his, his house. And uh, he went out and, you know, told people to listen, go out and invite people uh, out, you know, to my house and this gathering that I'm having. And what happens is people kept coming back saying, well, I can't come. I'm busy. And he's, he wanted people to come. You know, it's like, well, I have all this food. I mean, come on, it's free. Right? Free meal, free dinner, uh, free party. Come on, I want people to come. And, uh, but people kept giving excuses. And then finally, the master, he, I believe he was saying this, look, uh, you just went out to your clique. You just went here in this neighborhood, right around Cascades, and you went down to People's Park. But there's more out there than that. And down in verse 23, listen to what Jesus says. It says, then the master said to the servant, go out into the what? highways and hedges or highways and byways the King James says and compel them to come in he wanted people to come into his house so badly that he said compel them to come in just don't add, just don't say well you know we got a, a church over here I mean if you want to come he said compel them awkward is awesome come on people compel them look uh, you know Jesus died for your sins <laughs> he said compel them to come that and you know one of the things I believe that uh, Simon Sinek he's a guy who wrote this book called start with why uh, and everything you do start with why and uh, he I believe he got this from Jesus because Jesus always gives you the why he said go out and compel them to come into my house so that my house may be full this wasn't a master who wanted to go into the living room and close his curtains and watch TV he said I want to open up the doors and I want everyone to come in so that my house may be full and listen here's how that's going to happen how that's going to happen is he's telling you and I 
to go out into the highways and the byways and do what? Compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. Jesus did that. He did it for us. And so he wants us to do it. We talked last week about the Go Challenge and I issued you a challenge with the, with the invite cards. We gave you invite cards and I issued you a challenge to go out and invite people. One, to know Jesus and two, to come to church, to fellowship. We're going to talk next week about the go person, what that looks like. What, who's the go person? And then finally the go message. Today I want to talk to you about the go prayer. I want to talk to you a little bit about the go prayer because how many know that before you do anything, talk about the go challenge, the go person, the go message, before you do anything, you really need to pray. <laughs> Come on, we really need to pray and be in touch with God. And we believe that everyone can be reconciled to God. That's why we need to pray. Everyone is within reach of God's love, including you and I. By the way, when we talk about sinners, you and I were sinners. That's who he was talking about. Those who were sinners and at enmity with God. That was you and I until Jesus died on the cross. Remember what Roman says? It's amazing to me how Paul uh, really gets this across. To the Romans when he's talking to them and he says while you were yet sinners Christ died for you if you get the impact of that while you were not only while you were sinning but, but you didn't even know there was a Christ didn't even know you needed to be saved while you were wallowing in all of that Christ died for you he didn't wait that's the ultimate act of faith he didn't wait to see if you might listen to what his, to his message or what he might say. He died first for you. And then he said, go. You know, Matthew 28, 19 is after the resurrection. You know that? Go now. I've already done the work. Now go and tell them. Let me give you a few scriptures. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but long-suffering toward us not willing that anyone should perish but that all should come to repentance the good news translation says the Lord is not slow to do what he has promised come on as some might think why is God uh, allowing this in the world why doesn't God do something and I think God is saying why don't you do something <laughs> starting with prayer why don't you pray about it come on but his long-suffering, that means he'll wait. He's patient toward us. He, he does not want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants all, 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 all to turn away from their sins, including the people you don't like. Democrats and Republicans. Come on now. He wants all to turn away from their sin. I know Republicans saying, yeah, that's right. Them Democrats need to turn away from their sin. Democrats saying, that's right, them Republicans. God is saying all, all need to turn away from their sin. And it's his desire that everyone turn away. Everyone. Who's left out of everyone? I don't know. I don't think anyone's left out of everyone. Everyone. God wants everyone. Isaiah 59.1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Listen, he's able to do it, folks. Nor is his ear heavy that he can't hear. And then Jesus said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. That was his purpose for coming to the earth. 
I know you thought his purpose was coming to, so that you could be healed and so that you could prosper. Yeah, that's, that's part of it as well. He, uh, you know, I come that you ha might have life and have it more abundantly. But here it is. Here it is at the very base level. Jesus came to seek. In other words, he just didn't come and set up court in the temple and say, I'm here. I'm the king. If you need me, this is where I'll be. 6743 Main Street. Come on down. I'm here. We're having a good time. No, he didn't do that. He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Do you know this is not the first time that Jesus has done something like this? If you go way back, way back, the way back machine. Go way back to the garden. Do you remember when Eve and Adam sinned? No, I'll put Eve first there, but they both sinned. What happened? They ran and hid. They saw that they were naked. But then what happened? Here come God, seeking to save that which is lost. He's been doing it since the beginning. I have come to seek and save that which is lost. 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4 says, Therefore I exert, exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks may be made for all all for kings and all who are in authority whether you like the president or not come on I don't mean to be political that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence for this is good and acceptable in the sight of, of God our Savior here we are who desires that all all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth in other words, he's saying, I tell you, pray for all people, asking God what they need. Come on. Pray for rulers and all who have authority so that we can have a quiet and peaceful life, full of worship and respect for God. This is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and know the truth. Do you understand the heart of the Lord this morning? It is his desire that all be saved, not just that we have an agape feast together or that uh, we're, we have a great service and a great time in church. Boy, church sure was great. We sang uh, my favorite song and I uh, had great fellowship and I reconnected with so-and-so. Uh, but now what? It's only part of the equation. We have to understand that God has already gone before us to prepare the people we will encounter. That should help you. We must believe and go in faith, believing prayer is our first step in invading the impossible. You know, I think about something that Mother Teresa said. She said, it seems like when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I stop praying, they don't. Hmm. Interesting how that happens. When I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, they don't. I would think you would want to pray. Come on. So in order to minister to the lost, we must understand the challenge of the lost person. I think there are some of us who've been saved so long and we so holy now, come on, that we forget about the challenge of the lost. Do you understand that even in our church service that our purpose is to bring those who are lost in, not push them away? We need to think about that when we make some of our rules in church. Oh, come on now. 
Now, I'm not talking about lower your standards, and I'm not talking about don't understand that this is a holy place, and this is where God dwells, and uh, we do understand that he is the almighty God. He created the heavens and the earth. He breathed life into us. When he breathed, stars came out. He's the ruler of the universe. He's altogether lovely. He's altogether wonderful, and I realize all of that, but with all of that, if we push people away, they'll never experience the wonderfulness of God. We push them away with our rules <laughs> and, and sometimes unbiblical rules and standards come on see methods change principles stay the same Jesus always died on the cross for our sins and he's the only way Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except by me that will never change but methods can change I mean if service goes a half an hour Service goes two hours. Methods could change. Come on. Where you dress can change. I would have never been caught without a suit growing up in church. Come on now. I know that's not your experience, but for me, I'm telling you, I mean, it was like, come on, we got to get this together. It's Sunday. Every Sunday was Easter Sunday. Church I grew up in. Methods change. Romans 10.1, my brothers and sisters, how I wish with all my heart that my own people might be saved, Paul is saying. How I pray to God for them. In other words, he was saying, believe me, friends, all I want is for Israel is what's best for Israel. Salvation, nothing less. I want it with all my heart and I pray to God for it all the time. We need to develop a heart for the lost. And I know you're saying, I have a heart for the lost. Well... I won't argue with you that you have a heart for the lost, but how many know that a tree is known by its fruit? Now, I'm looking in the mirror now. Don't, I'm not preaching at you. Come on now. I'm looking in the mirror. A tree is known by its fruit. And when I say that, I'm not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about we need to compare how many people have come to Christ because of us. That, that has nothing to do with it. But a heart for the lost means that you fulfill the go message. You live like Jesus and you share his love. There's no greater commandment than these two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. And then he said, share that love. With, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest. Come, all the commandments are wrapped up in those two. Do you know that that is the go message? That's the go message. Share God's love with others. Salvation is a work of God within us. And God deals with us. It involves the imparting of what we do not naturally see. This is the challenge I'm talking about for the lost. This was a challenge for you. It was a challenge for me. When I was, when I was going to church growing up, it, it, see, and it wasn't about I was out on drugs and, and, and that wasn't my experience. But how many know I had the same challenge as it references coming to Christ as someone who was on drugs. Same challenge. The challenge was, I, I, I didn't understand, I couldn't see, I had a veil over my eyes. In church, praising God, liking the music. I was playing the keyboard, doing all kinds of things in church. Still no relationship. It's all about the relationship. And so if we're gonna get there, we're gonna have to understand that we need to pray for people who need to encounter Christ. We need to pray, we need to start. Prayer is the first step toward the loss. Before we even start to share Christ with a lost person, there must be much prayer. Before we go, God must go. 
prepare the hearts. Before we speak, God must speak to prepare people. Prayer is the first battle to be won. Come on. Three levels of prayer. One, one level aims to reach unsaved people who share personal concerns with you, such as unbelieving family members or friends. Maybe you have a good friend that's not saved, like the girl that we saw in the video. Come on. Or a roommate, associates, neighbors. Level two aims to reach unsaved people that you know but who have not disclosed their personal concerns to you. You don't know uh, their personal life at all, but you still pray for them. And then level three uh, aims to reach unsaved people that you don't know, the world. He told us to go into all the world. Come on. You don't know them personally, but you have a desire. And when you have these three levels of prayer in your life, now you have a heart for the lost. Because now you're talking about everyone I want everyone everyone to be saved and so prayer has to be our base let me just give you 10 ways to pray specifically for lost people first of all pray for God to send conviction put that down pray for God to send conviction my grandmother used to put it this way Lord put a hook in his mouth and bring him on in. <laughs> I heard her pray that prayer a thousand times if I heard her pray it once. <laughs> Lord, put a hook in her mouth, Jesus, <laughs> and bring her in. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the sin conviction. She also used to pray, she also used to pray, Lord, don't let him rest until he turns to you. And I used to say, I hope she's not talking about me. <laughs> Because I, I need some rest. <laughs> Lord, don't let him rest <laughs> until he turned to you. <laughs> and Lord, let him do it before that great getting up morning. I told you what kind of church I grew up in. Number two, pray for God to send enlightenment. Here, here's the thing about this one. This, you're not saved without this. Okay? Because remember when Jesus asked his disciples... Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're this one, some. Well, who do you say I am? Peter, right? What did he say? You are the Christ. And Jesus immediately said to him, Peter, th this man didn't give this to you. You didn't learn this in the synagogue. It was given to you by my father. In other words, you had a revelation of who I am. People need a revelation of Jesus. They're never going to turn to him by reasoning. Remember, she, she said it in the video. That people have a lot more, a lot better points than you have. Come on. They don't have a lot better points with science and all of that. We just happen to believe that God created science and all of that. But if you want to try to reason with people, uh, you may win some, you might lose some. Come on, if that's all you want to do. But people need a revelation because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The church is built on the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. People need some enlightenment. Let's pray that God sends enlightenment to people. Come on. Number three, pray for God to call and draw them. <laughs> that they will be attracted to Christ. Here, now, in this prayer, this, this particular prayer also goes, it, 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 it's a prayer and it's an action step as well. Because when you pray for God to call and draw them, we need to present something that they will be drawn to. Come on now. 
Uh, we don't need to present uh, some kind of a, a, a stoic, better than thou attitude where you look down your nose at people and you need to get right. You need to stop doing what you're doing. Uh, I saw you with that boy and uh, you need to come to church because the Bible says, you don't say the Bible, you say the Bible, B-I-V, the Bible says in the scripture, you need to get right. And they're not going to be attracted to that. And you might say, well, I don't care if they're attracted to it or not. I got to do what God told me to do. But at the same time, you're, you're, you're pushing people away. Come on now. At some point, we got to say, I got to stop pushing people. And God, listen, God knows how to draw people. You don't know how to do it. Well, I don't know how to do that. I know you don't. Pray. God will show you how to do it. He'll show you how to keep your standard and at the same time present something that they want. He, he will tell us how to do that. We need to pray that God calls and draws them. And we also need to present something that they're drawn to. Starting with love. Love of Christ. We need to love people. You can love people without lowering your stand. Jesus did it all the time. Jesus went to Matthew's house. Sinners. If a tax collector is not a sinner, I don't know who's a sinner. Come on. And, uh, you know, he was there with them. And the Pharisees were talking about it. Why are you with the tax collectors? Why well, didn't come to, 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 for, the, for the healthy? The healthy don't need a doctor. I came for the sick. See, he loved them. He listened to them. My favorite story in the Bible is, is the story of the, the woman caught in adultery. Uh, I don't know where the man was that was caught in adultery, but the woman caught in adultery and how they, they, brought, they brought her before Jesus. And I just imagine it in my mind. I know it's not specific, this specific in the Bible, but I just imagine they, they caught her and they brought her before Jesus and they just threw her down. Just threw her down right in front of Jesus. What are you going to do with this, Jesus? Now what? She's supposed to be stoned. And Jesus said, okay, who, he who has never sinned, you go ahead. Everybody left, but my favorite part of the story is when he bends down and he's talking to her and he says these words, woman, where are your accusers? There are none, Lord. Then the greatest force in the universe, love, God is love, the greatest force in the universe spoke to this woman and said, neither do I accuse you. If the greatest force in the universe doesn't accuse you, who else is going to accuse you? How are you going to accuse somebody if the greatest force in the universe doesn't accuse them? Who are you? We need to love people. And we can do it with standards. I keep saying that because I know some people think, well, you, you know, we just can't do anything. We just, I understand that. But God knows how to do it. Come on, God knows how to keep standards and bring people to him. Amen. Come on, he knows how to do it. But our heart has to be full of love first and foremost. Number four, pray for God to destroy mental strongholds. He will remove those barriers. Those, you know, Lord, uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying to me, Brother Randy, about God and how he saved you and all of that. But you just don't understand what I've done. And, uh, and, and in fact... Not only do you not understand what I've done, but, I, but you don't understand what's in my heart, even right now. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a good person. I mean, if somebody says something to me, I'm, I might cuss them out. I might cuss them. If they say, while you're talking to me right now, if somebody over here said something, I might cuss them and then talk to you again. That's just, that's how I am. But guess what? 
God already knew that about you. He knew it when he created you that you were that way. Yeah, it's no excuse. You can't bring an excuse with God. You don't know who, how I am. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He made you and, he, and none of it surprises him. None of it surprises him. And by the way, it shouldn't surprise you either. <gasps> I can't believe that. Yeah, you can because you can say some curse words too in your life. It's because you didn't say them in the last 10 years. Come on now. You lied before. You stole something, even if it was a pen from work. You took something. Come on now. You went over the speed limit and you was a Christian. Come on now. Why are we pointing fingers at people? But we need to pray that God destroys those mental strongholds. Get all that out of the way because God already knows all that. That, and that, when we pray, and that's how you witness to people. Tell them, God knows all that stuff. Don't, none of that surprised me. You can, you can tell me all that. You did what? Oh, but, okay. But still, God knows all that stuff. He, he knows everything. <laughs> and guess what? It's probably not the worst thing that somebody's ever done. You think it is because it's you. Pray that God destroys all those mental strongholds. Number five, pray for God to break through spiritual bondages. Uh, how many people know uh, that there are, some, there, are some, there are some spiritual battles going on? I'm a very practical person. I, I am. I, you know, even growing up in church and speaking in tongues and going through the whole thing, you know, I've, I've seen healing, miraculous healings. I saw even a demon come out one time. I was little at church camp and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and, but it, even with all of that, uh, I'm, I'm pretty practical. You know, I, I, I've learned that God can be a pretty practical God. God is spirit. He is a spirit. But at the same time, he gives us basic principles. Like reap what you sow. I mean, you can't get more basic than that. Right? You want something? Sow it. You want love back? Sow it. You want judgment? Sow it. You'll get it. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together and running over. Somebody need to read Luke 6.38 in context. <laughs> Come on now. And so you can't get more basic than that. And God is, God is, God, I, I believe God at times is a very practical God. But how many know that at the same time, uh, principalities and powers, come on, is what we're fighting against. And the way we fight those principalities and powers, the way we fight them is on our knees. I, I, I used to love this song, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Anybody remember that? I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. That's the black church, sorry. But I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord was a song we used to sing. But I don't want to, I don't want to, let me step back here. I don't want to get you upset. It's not entirely altogether accurate. Because really, angels are the soldiers. You know, we, we don't, see, we don't, your, your, your battle is not, what can you fight? You can fight flesh and blood. But your battle is not against flesh and blood. Against powers and principalities. The only way we can fight that is through prayer. And the way that happens is God dispatches his angels. Come on now. I remember reading in Jude where Satan was trying to take the body of Moses. You might not have ever read that. Probably some of y'all scholars read it. But he was trying to, and it said the archangel Michael came and said, uh-uh. And they was fighting. He fought him for the body of Moses. It's in Jude, right before Revelation. Check it out. And so the angels fight. They fight. And God fights our battles. Come on, the battle is not yours, ours, but it is the Lord's. Come on. And so we need to pray, pray that spiritual bondages be broken and the person will be able to see clearly 
that the scales and, and the things that Satan is using to blind them would be removed. Come on. Some of us need to pray for that in our own lives. Come on. <laughs> Number six, pray out of love and knowledge. Pray out of love and knowledge. I was thinking I better not say this, but I, I, well, I won't use any names. I was in a prayer circle one time. And uh, this person began to pray for this other person. And they were praying all this stuff for this person. And finally, at the end of the prayer, the other person said, what? I'm not going through all that. Why'd you, why'd you pray that? In fact, I'm offended that you prayed that way for me. You know what? Sometimes we just don't pray out of knowledge and love. We pray what we think the other person should have. We judge people. I don't want to get into that. But we, ju we judge people. We judge people by the way they look. We see them. And if they're too big or bald or what color they are or what side of the tracks they grew up on or, or how they talk, right? How their use of the English language. We judge people based on that. We hear how they talk and immediately we start judging. And then we pray for them in that way. But we need to pray out of love and out of knowledge. We need to know that God loves that person first of all just the way they are and God's gonna change them not you come on pray out of love and knowledge number seven pray for the lost with the understanding that the price has already been paid it's done when Jesus died on the cross he prayed he paid the price for every single person again I want to throw in here everyone everyone don't walk don't walk through the streets and and pray for this person and don't pray for that person and decide to pray for that person over here but not that person Jesus paid the price for everybody and it's already done and if our approach in both prayer and witnessing is that listen it's already done all you have to do is accept it and I, here's here's where I'm coming from with that come on now judges <laughs> we feel like we, we, sometimes we tell people that God's already paid the price, but in our mind, we'd like to see them do better. Uh, you, need to, you need to do better. You need to stop doing that before God will do this. But it's not our place to judge him in that way. It's, and it's a difficult thing, grace, grace. Listen, no matter what you say, grace, sometimes because of mental strongholds, is difficult for us to accept. You, do you remember the parable uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the master who had a, who had a field and he, he called in people to work in his field and he said, listen, I'll pay you, uh, you know, whatever it is, a dollar, denarii, a dollar, whatever it is, if you work here. And then somebody, and he said, work till five o'clock, work eight to five, I'll pay you a dollar. So people came and they started working. And then about 4.37, uh, this other guy came and started working and uh, he paid him a dollar too. And the other one said, hey! That's not fair. I've been here all day working. I mean, now, come on. Now, in reality, that's not fair. I've been here all day working. This guy comes at 437, and you're going to give him a dollar too? And the master said, look, I agreed to a dollar with you. We, I gave you what I agreed. How was, how, why are you complaining with me? But that's the way we judge people. I've been in church my whole life. And this person comes in and you're going to put them as a greeter over the children's ministry? And I've been here? Oh, uh, we don't want to talk about that. 
His ways, that's what, listen, that's what it means in Isaiah when it says his ways are not your ways. What you're thinking is his ways are not my ways. He's going to send the money some other kind of way because his ways are not my ways. It does mean that, but it also means he deals with people not like you deal with them as well. His ways are not your ways. That's everything. <laughs> Come on now. We need to realize it. We need to realize it. We need to pray for people. Here, this is a big one, even though it doesn't sound like a big one. Number eight, we need to pray for people persistently. Don't give up. Pray for people persistently and regularly. Praying for people to be saved can at times be a long battle. Just because you pray for them today and next Sunday they don't give their life to the Lord, you say, well, that prayer didn't work. Or they're just too hard-headed. Even with prayer, I prayed the heavens down and they still didn't get saved. They just hard-headed. Come on, that's the way we do. <laughs> Thank God Jesus didn't say that to us. He didn't say that to you. After he died on the cross, he didn't say you got 40 days. And then I'm ascending. If you didn't save in 40 days, you just hard-headed. <laughs> Come on. He's patient. He's long-suffering with us. Number nine, pray for people watchfully. Here's what I mean by watchfully. With expectation. Pray for people with expectation. Don't pray because now you, you're praying out of faith. I, well, I'm going to pray for him. He ain't going to change. I mean, I know he ain't going to change, but you know, I pray because I'm supposed to pray. So, you know, Adam, Lord, touch him. I know what he's doing. Just help him from what he's doing. I know he ain't going to change, Lord, but help him. And it doesn't sound that ridiculous, but really that's what it is when we pray without expectation in our heart. Pray watchfully with an expectation that God will do something. God's able to do it. He's able to do it with the worst. He's able to do it. Come on. And then finally, number 10, pray for God to go before our gospel seed that we speak to soften and prepare the hearts of those. This will help you. This will help you in witnessing to people. This will help. Pray for God to go before you and to soften and prepare the hearts of people. Pray for God to do that. See, it makes it so much easier. I know there are those who, know, you know, you can argue with them, you can fuss with them, and no matter what you say and what you do, it seems like they just won't listen. But listen, that, a part of that is because some of us, we don't pray ahead of time that God will go and soften the hearts of those that we're going to minister to. God will do it. And so listen, this go message, it begins with prayer. We have to pray. And I don't know about you this morning, but God is convicting me. He is convicting me to have a heart for the lost. And I'll, I'll go to God and I'll say, God, I have a heart for the lost. And he'll say, really? Do you really? Do you really? I'll let you answer the question. Do you really have a heart for the lost? 